living the story in a new day. The big picture of our new series is that God wants to build the biggest human family possible and has made us to help him make that happen. Therefore, God's family has to grow in love for Jesus, in love for each other and in love for everyone we meet. In church speak, we call this mission and discipleship. In River Church speak, we call this look, love, live. This is the first of five sessions about discipleship. That's how we become the best family we can possibly be. And this is week one from Matthew 1 and 2 about how walking in faith is rooted in our belonging to Jesus. So let's read this week's reflection passage from Matthew 1, verse 20 to 25. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son and he named him Jesus. The key verse in chapter 21 is verse 21. You are to name him Jesus. The head of our family is named Jesus, which means what? Yes, God saves. Jesus is the God who saves us. The Greek word for save here also carries the sense of restoring to health, which I suggest in our current culture of well-being, wholeness and mental health awareness is a good way of describing what God is doing. God is restoring us to full health and wholeness. And in verse 21, Matthew sets out his stall straight away that the true identity of Jesus is God, God the restorer. And who is God restoring? Yes, God's people. And who are God's people? We are. And who else does God want to belong in the family and restore to health and wholeness? Everyone. God wants the biggest human family possible. Now, I've road tested this on my son because I think identity is one of the crucial issues of our times. We live in a culture where people are finding it increasingly difficult to know where they belong. If we want to communicate Jesus well, then starting the conversation with identity, with belonging, is, I think, a good biblically based place to start. Jesus, the restorer of our true identity, bringing full health and wholeness and church, the place where we can belong and discover what that means for us. Creating a place of belonging then builds the conditions for the rest of the conversations about belief and growing to become who we were made to be.
belong, believe, become. And belong is where Matthew starts with his gospel account. Right, hands up if you read the genealogy as quickly as you could so you could get on with the rest of the story. Yeah? I know, I know, I know, but biblical genealogies are great, honest, and they're also very important. But we haven't got time for any of that today. But we do love a family tree, don't we? I mean, who has spent time looking into their family history? The BBC series, Who Do You Think You Are?, has been going for 18 years. Can you believe that? My brother-in-law at Christmas was brought a, a DNA ancestry test kit for Christmas. It's still a big thing, looking into our family and history. And that's because we have an innate desire to know who we are, where we came from and where we belong. And this is where Matthew begins. He is introducing right at the start where Jesus belongs. Now, in verse one, the Greek word Matthew uses that has been translated as genealogy is very familiar to us. It's the word Genesis, not the, the band or something that you see in Doctor Who and the Daleks, but where we come from, our origins. But if you also look at verse 18, the word translated into English as birth is also the exact same Greek word Genesis. And you thought Bible translation was straightforward. Right up front in the first book of the New Testament, Matthew is connecting Jesus to the first book of the Old Testament, Genesis, and to the creation of everything. He is telling us that God wants to be with us so much that God created our world precisely to have a place to relate with us in. And that, by the way, is another reason why caring for our world is so important. And what's more extraordinary is that God went to extraordinary lengths to come in person to the world God created. Extraordinary lengths because this is a family tree that shouldn't have been possible in human terms. It shouldn't have arrived at Jesus, but it did because of God's spirit. You see, there's a thread running through clustered around the key family members of Judah and David. But it goes through five women rather than the 42 men, for those of you who were counting. With the first four women, each time their offspring is mentioned, they are said to have come by them. So Perez and Zerah by Tamar. This doesn't happen again until we come to the fifth and final woman, Mary, in verse 16, where the exact same Greek word is used, but translated of. So of Mary. Same Greek word, but those translators are at it again. The very next two times the same little Greek word is used in verses 18 and 20, it's translated from, describing the action of the Holy Spirit to conceive Jesus. And this is no coincidence. These are the only times this Greek word, literally out from or out of, is used in chapter one. Matthew is telling us something important. And as we have already seen, this is a Genesis account. And in Genesis 1, verse 2, it's God's spirit that brings unique creation into life out from the chaos. Matthew is linking the five women in Jesus' family history 
to the extraordinary creative work of the Holy Spirit that culminates in the mind-blowing, unique birth of a unique new form of human life, Jesus. And it had to be the Holy Spirit because this family history took a very irregular route. You have Tamar, who was wronged and probably would have been childless if she had not seduced her father-in-law, Judah. Then Rahab, who was a prostitute. And then a foreigner, Ruth. And finally Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, who David committed adultery with and then had her husband murdered to cover it up. And then we come to Mary and you all know the story. And I think with the stories of these earlier women, Matthew is making it clear that the, let's say, tricky human circumstances of Jesus' birth was not a surprise move for God. Because God had already navigated these other tricky moments before in family history. Matthew is making clear up front, this is a unique family, not dependent on human biology, but on God's spirit and grace. That walking in faith is hardwired into who Jesus is. And so for us, it's our spiritual DNA too. But Matthew is using this impossible family tree to communicate even more to us. It's wonderfully inclusive. There are marginalised women from differing cultures, potentially all foreigners and all in some form of domestic insecurity and vulnerable. Matthew is pointing towards God's will to enlarge the family beyond just one nation to include all peoples. He is saying, don't be surprised who Jesus ministers to in adult life, because look, it's in his identity. And the family tree of Jesus survives irrespective of dishonour, shame, immorality, deceit, adultery, prostitution. It goes on. Matthew is setting the scene that Jesus's ministry will be especially sympathetic to those considered unrighteous, unworthy and unwelcome. We look forward to all these stories over the coming weeks. Matthew is also telling us up front that Jesus has come to challenge us to the core about our existing categories of who is acceptable to God and who is not. Don't be surprised who Jesus invites to dinner, because look here. It's in his spiritual DNA. The outsiders are in. In fact, there are no outsiders. And these outsider women, despite everything they had to face, they were the ones considered righteous. And whatever we face, this is how Jesus sees us. We belong too and are made right with God. And all these five women were taken back into their families found domestic security and position in a society they didn't have before. They were accepted into the family. They found a place to belong and were shown respect. And the fantastic news is, because of Jesus's faithfulness, we inherit this too. We belong and we have self-worth. And maybe this morning you identify with the outsider. You feel like an impossible member of this impossible family. The truth is, because of Jesus, our restorer, we are all accepted. We all belong. It runs in the family.
Matthew 1 verse 23 declares God, this is the God who makes the impossible possible and is our restorer to health. God is with us. And because God is with us, God is with all those we encounter too, everyone we meet. We all have an important part to play in creating an environment where all are welcome and all can belong. Not just the people we consider are in, that are like us and we feel comfortable with. No, everyone we meet. If we want more people to join us and believe with us and walk in faith with us, then we have to create a church community where people can first belong. The conversation about the believing and the becoming will then naturally follow. To wrap up, God took a risk to come to us as a vulnerable infant in the hands of imperfect humans because God wanted to be with us so much. Each and every one of us is worth the risk to God. And to keep growing God's family, we have to take risks. Beryl's word was spot on at our recent family gathering. It was a true prophetic word for us. It's what the Holy Spirit is saying. Our walls have to come down. But our walls, but for our walls to come down, we have to take risks. And this is what walking in faith means. Faith and the status quo are mutually exclusive. But the good news is walking in faith runs in the family. It comes from our identity, our belonging with Jesus. And I am thrilled by the response to our new Alpha. This is what it's all about, taking a risk, creating an environment where people belong so they can explore what they believe. And we need to keep creating more spaces where people can first belong. Like, for example, we're doing with River Life and Patches Field and Cap and Kintsugi Hope, and in faith many more. Matthew chapter 1 leaves us with a challenge. If God is with us, will we keep following? Are we up to keep walking in faith in a new day and in a new way to create a church family where we all belong? Where we do life together in an environment that encourages faith and is mutually supportive to learning and growing to become who Jesus made us to be. How do we respond? We're going to move into a time of communion, which is a great place for us to make that commitment to God and to one another again. And to be real, we all fall short of God's best. But when we own up and throw ourselves into the arms of our loving God, we realise again and again that we are accepted. When we take communion together, Jesus is revealed to us afresh, God our restorer, who makes us whole. We see with fresh eyes, God is with us and we belong. <laughs>